This is a Podmax episode of Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mark Stinson, and you have joined us on our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. This is the podcast where we literally go around the world talking to creative experts about how they get inspired with new ideas, how they organize those ideas, and most of all, how they get the confidence and the connections to launch their work out into the world. That's really our goal and what we want to do to make impact. And I'm just so happy today to have as my guest, Laurel Mintz. Her company is Elevate My Brand. Laurel, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Well, and we're here at an event, PodMax, where all sorts of podcasters and podcast guests are getting together. How's your experience so far? It is fast and furious. I love it. I mean, I could talk all day long, as you well know, and uh, (laughs) this is my second out of, I think, four that I'm doing. So I'm just excited to be here. I love the energy in the room. Yeah, it's good to mix it up with all the creative people and all the different, I guess, walks of life and walks of business that we get to talk to, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. It's so unique to have different perspectives. Uh, It's the most fun. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm always curious to start with, uh, Laurel, and when we talk to creative people, you know, we got a lot of plates spinning. We got a lot of paper on our desk for sure. A lot of uh, tabs open on our desktop. But uh, (laughs) but what's on your plate these days that's uh, really requiring your creative attention? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, Well, you know, as an agency, we're always trying to reinvent the wheel, right? So for ourselves, certainly always trying to figure out new and inventive ways to be creative uh, for us and for our clients. So I would say coming up with new ways to reach that audience right now in a you know increasingly digital-only world has been interesting. Pivoting our live events, our experiential has been really interesting. You know, we talked about the digital experiential event packages that we developed or the deep packages, um, which are kind of our plug and play experiential moments. So we're just figuring out as we go right now and trying to be open and, um, you know, aware of what's possible. Mm -hmm. Let's get into that experiential branding a little bit, because obviously, you know, when you think of designing brands and digitizing them and making them go, but there's nothing like the experience of the brand, the touch, the feel, the the doing of the brand. Mm -hmm. How have you been pivoting in a world where you can't really mix it up as live as we once did? Yeah, totally fair question. Um, So those deep packages are kind of plug and play experiential moments. So small, medium and large so that our clients can still kind of reach out, you know, in quotes and touch their customers. Because the truth is, is that we need to be pivoting, not canceling, right? Converting, not canceling, as we call it. So making sure that people aren't, we, we, we coined it ostriching, right? Sticking their head in the sand and pretending like nothing's happening. And like, oh, this is all going to go away really, really soon. We just have to keep moving forward. Um, our job as an agency is to pull them out of the sand and say, let's figure out a new way forward. And so those deep packages have been a really great way to do that. The other important thing I think is just the volume of content and and video that we've been doing has been another really focused creative direction we've been heading with ourselves and our clients. Mm -hmm. And, And on that client agency relationship, you know, is this deep experience something that they're coming to you demanding, asking for like, hey, we gotta get this going? Or do you find yourself I guess, pushing, selling, cajoling. Hey guys, we, we got to do it another way. It's a little of both. I think, you know, right, right now what we're seeing are bigger RFPs coming forward 
um, around events and all the big brands are really hoping and praying that they're going to be able to go back to IRL Q3. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, because the truth is, is that while they're excited about it, they, they get excited, they get the RFP out there, you send a proposal and then they're like, Ooh, we're not quite ready. Like we're, we don't, we want to be the first cause we want all the press around what being the first in this space to come back looks like. But if something goes bad, then the bad press around that would be equally as damaging as it would be positive. So I think brands are still trying to figure out what to do. So they're pushing out their RFPs. We're pushing out the proposals there's the convergence isn't quite there yet. And um, let's face it, people just have so much Zoom fatigue, fatigue right now. So we're still figuring, everyone's figuring it out. There's no playbook right now, which I think is actually pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about that just from a creative spirit point of view. And that is creative people, yeah, want to invent something completely new and different. And yeah, I want to be the first and only to ever try this. And then push comes to shove. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like, wow, here comes the risk part. Here comes the, yeah. Uh, we don't want it to fail. We don't want to look bad. Uh, we just you, had that experience. Where so are had, you finding that balance? Uh, I mean, ultimately you're in client services, right? So you've got to make sure the client is happy. We just had an experience where this huge private equity firm came to us and they're like, we want to do, we're, we're the new next young, cool, hip kids on the block. And we're like, awesome. And so we put together this whole creative package for them. And then every iteration along the way, it got more bland, more vanilla, more bland, more vanilla. And at the end of it, it was just like everyone else. And we're like, all right, cool. You know, that's what you want. That's what you want. But people say that they want to be creative and different, but again, they're afraid to put uh, you know, stake in the sand and really actually execute on that, which I think is a fail point, honestly. Like if you're going to be everything to everyone or just do the same shit everyone else has been doing, you're not going to get any big, bold results. Mm -hmm. And I guess going from, hey, we're the new kid on the block to, hey, we're just another kid in the class, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly That's a big difference. Right. And here we are talking about elevating my brand. How are yeah. you going to stand out otherwise? Yeah, I, I, I totally think that that is a missed opportunity for so many brands. And ultimately, those are the brands that are coming to these conversations with big pie in the sky dreams, but then they're acting out of fear. And so our job really is to get people out of that circle of fear to the circle of curiosity, what's possible, and then ultimately the circle of opportunity. How can we use these branding moments, this digital universe to touch a new audience in a new way to really blow us up? Um, from a brand perspective, but not everyone's willing to do that. Listen, you got to take note of those circles. Uh, if you right. can get out to that circle of opportunity, that's where the fun is. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, let's uh, go back to digital marketing now. Again, a phrase that we would all nod and go, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, digital. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's the state of the state for you and what you're working on in terms of truly digital branding? We're not talking about just running some ad words or running some social ads. How are you creating a brand in a digital space? Well, it starts with, you know, a creative mind map session, which is what we do with all of our clients. So very clearly understanding what their goals are in the digital universe, right? And a lot of times, as you, I'm sure, well know, Mark, those brands come to you and they're like, I want to sell a million, million widgets. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. That's not a marketing goal. That's a sales <laughs> goal. Let's back up and figure out how we're going to get there, you know, within that marketing funnel, um, that top of funnel brand awareness and visibility. So part of our job is education, right? Making sure the clients know that there's a difference, a major difference between the transaction of a sale 
and the relationship of digital marketing. And then from there, really understanding, you know, here are the goals, here's the budget. How have you currently been allocating that budget? And what does new allocation of that look like? And then what are the KPIs or key performance indicators of success in the digital universe for your specific brand? And then after that session, we go into like full data mode, which is a whole nother conversation I hope we have time to get into today. Well, absolutely. Let's get into it now because, uh, I mean, one of the benefits of digital marketing is the tracking, the data, the analytics that you can actually say, hey, we don't just feel good about this uh, work and this campaign. We're actually seeing results. Yeah. So that's kind of phase fit. So phase one is that educational creative session, right? Making sure that we know that we can deliver for that client and that they're going to be a culture fit for us too, because there's a million agencies out there. There's so many digital um, consultants and, uh, you know, teams, but not everyone is for everyone, right? I want to make sure that I'm going to deliver for you and I'm going to enjoy working with you. I've been doing this for 12 years and over 250 brands. There are some very clear red flags that come up. And that's why we kind of slow down the process in order to make sure that we're a good fit in the long run. So that first session is super critical for us. If they pass mustard there, um, then we move into our next phase, which is that data collection listening phase. Um, and in that phase, we have this amazing licensed software. We put all of their platforms and systems into that software as, as well as their top three to five direct and indirect competitors. And then we come back to them and we have this huge report that says, Here's what all the data showed us on in your um, on your social channels, um, in your keywords, in your advertising, in your website. Here's what's happening with your competitors. Here's the gap between those two. Here's the budget you've allocated. Either this is going to work, or we need to really specifically focus. Maybe there's this white space that none of these other players are playing in, and because of our limitation in budget, we need to focus there. So again, a very data-driven conversation with our creativity and expertise laid on top of it. And then it's up to the client to decide how they'd like to move forward. Yeah. Well, and certainly you've had a chance to work with a lot of startups and then a lot of the, what you would call blue chip brands, you know, the Verizons yep. and the Facebooks and the Zendesk. I loved one of your clients, by the way, that I've definitely had an experience with, Paw Patrol. <laughs> how many people do you talk to who have actually been to a Paw Patrol event? Well, I have. Oh, like so, everyone. <laughs> everyone. Everyone. Yeah. But uh, do, you, do you see, compare and contrast for us, do you see a difference between sort of a startup mentality and how they embrace new ideas and creativity and maybe the larger corporate brands and going back to maybe the risk benefit uh, analysis that they might be doing? Yeah, I mean, I think startups, first of all, I mean, there's good and bad to startups, right? They are excited. They think they've got the new best widget in the, on the planet. And sometimes it's our job to bring them back down to reality and say, okay, well, that might be the case, but we still have to execute in these categories, right? Um, typically, startups are more excited and interested in um, being more creative because they want to, they always want to know how they can get more bang for less buck, right? Because they don't have the bigger Paw Patrol type budgets. So those tend to be a little bit more fun to play with if they really are standing in that truth, right? Like, like we said before, like a lot of times they come to us and they're like, we want to be so cool and hip and different. And then you go into execution mode and they're like, they just vanillaize. I don't even know if that's a thing. They just, you know, they, they make everything the same. And then you're like, all right, whatever, that's what you want. The client has to be happy in the long run, but it's not going to get you huge results. So I think the startups that are willing to be bold and different are the ones that are the most fun. On the other side of that, the bigger brands 
they know what's been working and they know what hasn't been working. And when we come into those brands, we're more narrowly focused within a very specific category or very specific team. So for example, experiential within the Paw Patrol brand. And they have very clear KPIs because they know what moves the needle for them. Mm -hmm. So within that um, Paw Patrol case study that we have, they came to us, they wanted to execute these huge national campaigns, um, three stops in, I believe it was 16 cities. It was like a three or four month tour. It was huge. And their one and only KPI was conversion to their database. Of course, there was a lot of earned and owned media that we got for them, um, but they wanted to increase their database because they wanted to sell toys. So they came to us and they were like, here's what the campaign looks like, or here's what the execution should look like. And here's the number we need you to hit. And we were like, cool, we can do that. Very, It's very clear. I think the bigger brands have more clarity on what success looks like. Uh, that's good to know. Well, my guest is Laurel Mintz. Laurel, let's turn the page then back to your creative journey and how you got, uh, you know, you said you built this agency over 12 years. Uh, I assume you didn't start with the giant blue chip brands and the big offices and the big teams. How did it all begin? About? <laughs> I, I Why started, do I assume I that? <laughs> I opened my doors and Apple instantly came in and was just like, you're our agency. Yeah, no. Um, you know, like like any small brand, you start in your, in your apartment and you figure out how you're going to grow from there. And Pretty soon you get too big for your britches and then you end up moving into your office and you're so terrified. You're like, oh my God, how am I going to afford this? And, you know, now 12 years later, we had, you know, a 3000 square foot office space that we closed because of COVID. But, you know, you just baby step it up into the world of like being a real agency. And then you look back and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe it's been 12 years. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like, you know, we always call it a seed, you know, but what was the seed that you planted? when you began and you said, this is what we're going to build this around. Don't know how big we're going to be. I could still be in my apartment 10 years later, but this is what we're trying to build around. Honestly, I don't know if I was that intentional about it, Mark. Um, you know, I was a lawyer. I am a lawyer. And um, I ended up having to take over my family business. My dad got sick. He's healthy now. But um, it, that's what taught me that I was an entrepreneur. And I actually didn't really, I wasn't intentional about starting the agency um, until I randomly closed my first client, which was uh, a woman named Julie Hewitt, who wanted to create her first cosmetic, color cosmetic line. And she was like the celebrity makeup artist. She needed to raise $5 million. She had no idea how to build anything in the digital universe. And I was like, I can figure that out. And I did. And she got funded. And I was like, oh, God, it, this is this is what I'm going to do. But I hadn't done any of my brand, own branding work or created a, a company or filed any of my legal work, any, any of that. So I think it just it really, for me, it just happened very organically. Totally. Yeah. And there is a creative spark around the purpose, though, of figure it out. You know, sure, I've told sure. so many people how, over the years, I've built most of my business by somebody saying, can you do that? And I go, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. And then you go back to the office. Can we do this? How are we going to do this? Yes. Let's figure it Say out. Say yes and figure it out later. In fact, that's one of my favorites saying, F-I-O-G-I-D. Figure it out, get it done. There you that's go. That's what we've been doing since day one. We're that's like, right. I still have total imposter syndrome. I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing most days. I mean, obviously I do, but that's, you know, that's how you feel when, even when you're a small brand. And what is it about the figure it out? I think it's just exciting, right? It's exciting to have to pivot and to have to make something work with less budget or make something work that you don't necessarily understand or know. That 
energy, that's what gets me up in the morning to try and figure something out for a brand, try and figure something out for my own brand. I'm always trying to push our team to be new and different and um, really stand up for something. Uh, and I think that that's really what COVID has taught us is that you have to have a really strong voice. Like we really champion women's causes. We champion diversity. That's something that's been really important to us. And the brands that have, have stood up and been really human and shown that people are really that that people first mentality those are the brands that we've seen winning during this crazy time mm -hmm. and you talk about the team let's talk about that for a moment you know adding people to your circle you know adding mm -hmm. well suppliers vendors partners you know that it can also support the effort how do you make sure they align with this figure it out get it done kind of mentality I mean, I, I don't think there's any better way than just jumping in and giving them an opportunity and letting them fail or letting them float, you know, and fly. So there's, there's, that's kind of how I've always run my agency. It's like someone comes to me, they're like, I think I can do this for you. And I'm like, okay, go prove it. And usually they prove it on my brand first because I don't want them to fuck up, pardon my <laughs> French, a client. But, um, you know, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise. And we've always been open to what's new and next in marketing. Um, and my team also leads a lot of that charge. I give them a lot of freedom to bring in vendors, to bring in team, um, because ultimately we're still a small agency and I need to know that there's a culture fit for everyone. Uh, fantastic. And I guess, are they, how do I say this? Sometimes in a small company with a strong founder like yourself, the people are <laughs> reflecting your energy for sure. rather than creating it and bringing it. How do you feel? God, that's such a loaded question because I, I have been told that I vibrate on a level that very few people can match. <laughs> so I don't know if, um, I, I don't expect that from my team. And well, I actually have found- like I'm asking for a friend because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been called, oh, you're, you're the cool, calm guy. Yeah. yeah, right. No, I'm not, I'm definitely not that. Um, but I think that over time you realize, first of all, you, you mellow out a little bit as you get older, right? I mean, I'm still 22, but I think I've mellowed in my last few years. <laughs> yes. um, and then it's about finding complementary skill sets and complementary energies, because the truth is, is that not everyone wants to be sold to by someone like me. Sometimes that can be really aggressive and they, it's a very much of a put off, right? There's a sales book that's based around dog personality types. And it's like, right. are you the pit bull? Are you the chihuahua? Are you the Labrador? Are you, you know what I mean? And and I think that that goes on on every team. Like there needs to be a different set of personalities to make it work. And luckily we actually do a lot of personality testing before we hire for that very purpose to make sure that there's complementary skill sets, personalities, because you can't all have, you can't all be me. <laughs> that would be <laughs> terrifying, frankly. <laughs> but when you have that conversation with somebody who may be, well, look, you know, ha having a low day, that's one thing. But if you say, you know, I'm really going to need more from you. Um, are, are you really assuming that the potential is there when you have that conversation? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think by the time you're having that conversation, someone has clearly showed you their stripes already. You know what I mean? So I, again, I give them the benefit of the doubt and I really do, I think that's probably one of my bigger fail points is giving people too much the benefit of the doubt. Cause the truth is, is as a, as a small found, like team and small founder, like you need to hire and fire quickly, right? But I really believe in people. I think I'm a little um, Pollyanna when it comes to that cause I've been so lucky in my life. Um, and I really believe that people are genuinely good. And the truth is, is that's not always the truth. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do, try and give people opportunity to fly and they will either fly or, or, or falter and, um, and then you move on, you know? I've had a lot of different people on my team. It's been a long time. I've probably hired and fired 
50 people at this point. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Well, Laurel, let's uh, look ahead. Yeah, we're looking over the horizon a little bit and saying, look, new and brighter days are coming. What are you working on now that might be coming out, you know, ever so shortly, but also maybe long term? How do you see things going? Yeah, well, I think this was a, a great time for everyone to kind of slow down to go faster. And so during our slower time, because let's face it, this time last year, everyone was freaking that you know what out and people were pulling their dollars out of advertising and marketing and we didn't know if we were going to survive right a lot of small businesses didn't um so we took that time to rebuild our campaigns we took that time to um, develop content that we thought was compelling and we will be launching our first webinar series in the next 30 days and actually mark you're the first that i've even told this to which is really exciting uh, an exclusive, exclusive with a mark world Simpson. of creativity <laughs> <laughs> see people think they can't get new and edgy information here <laughs> exactly exactly but what we found we really wanted to speak to those people that um were struggling and that didn't have big budgets because the truth is is that that's a lot of of who we see reach out to us and we're like, God, we would love to work with you, but you're just not gonna be able to afford us. And so this platform and this product that we've created really gives them us in little bite-sized video snippets with questionnaires and documentation and ways to get through how to figure out and get it done on their own, which is pretty exciting. That's very exciting. That's pretty cool. And so yeah, that'll be up soon. And uh, where can people find that? Uh, that will be on Digital Chalk, which is Digital Chalk Board. We'll be sharing that across our channels as well. So sign up at elevatemybrand.com. We've got a really great downloadable PDF when you land on our page that really understands and tells you the difference between sales and marketing because the former is very transactional. The latter is very relationship driven. And I think it's a big misnomer and a misunderstanding for a lot of brands out there. And then uh, when we launch, we'll send you a little note and let you know. We're going give, to uh, give those listening in a little bit of a discount too. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll put that link uh, in the show notes. So Laurel, what a fantastic conversation. And I think, you know, we're here because of uh, podmax.co. This podmax event brought us together. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about podcasting as a medium, first of all, but also why you're so interested in it. But where, where do you see podcasting in the world of marketing and branding? I think it's really important. Um, we launched our podcast, Elevate Your Brand, in January two years ago, right before you know all this went down. So we were already kind of in the space. I, the, at the end of the day, you have a gut feeling about things like podcasting or like digital or social or you know whatever is new and next and hot. We were very early, and now we've shot I want to say almost a hundred episodes at this point. So pretty exciting uh, to be on a platform like that. It just allows you to talk to people in a new and different way. And the, the truth is, Mark, as an agency owner, it's also a phenomenal business development tool. Like really, that's truly what it has been for me. I get to reach out to brands that otherwise wouldn't give me the time of day. I give them a little bit of free PR, and then they uh, are willing to have a conversation around marketing because they see what value set we bring to the table. Mm -hmm. I think podcasting is the future for sure. Uh, fantastic. Or the now, I should say. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> it's live right now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and we're live at this PodMax event. What What is the PodMax experience meant for you as you're now guesting, not just hosting? I know it's so weird to be on the other side of the microphone. It's really unique to see different styles. I don't think, you know, I think when you're on the mic and you're interviewing, you have your, your cadence, you have your questions, you, you kind of just, you know, figure it out. 
as you go. And I love that this experience shows me how to do it a little differently, right? I can have a different kind of cadence. I can ask different kinds of questions. It's really inspired me to be better at marketing myself and my brand. And what would you tell somebody who says, I want to be on more podcasts? How, how can they be a great guest? Oof. Uh, come with the energy, right? We always do a pre-call vetting um, because I want to make sure that they're not, you know, super boring. There's nothing worse than having a guest on and they're like, hey, Laurel, yeah, this is really great. This is my product. And uh, I'm really excited about being here and excited. you should, you should <laughs> buy my product. Yeah. I'm like, ugh, that's always going to be a shorter episode for sure. <laughs> It's a wrap. So, yeah, that was really great. You can have a, you can hear this five minute episode on our website. <laughs> um, so I think it's about, you know, making sure that they're bringing the energy, that they're bringing value just like you are to them, right? Asking important questions and having fun with it. There's, you know, this is not friggin' brain surgery. We're having conversations. This is a human element here and bringing that energy and that fun factor, I think is super critical to any podcast. Yeah. And like you, I, I've enjoyed connecting with people that you would never connect with otherwise. Totally. You know? And it's not just pandemic related, but it's technology. It's the medium. It's the channel that uh, is bringing people together that you would never would otherwise like us. So like us, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, like I said, the event is called PodMax. Listeners, if you wanted to check it out, whether you're thinking of creating a podcast or you want to do more guesting, it's PodMax.co. Well, Laura, what a fantastic conversation and listeners, as you can tell, she is not the boring guest. She is not the vanilla old school kid on the block. <laughs> and, I'm red velvet baby with chocolate chips that's right. and frosting. And the fact that we've invented a new word here, vanilla ties, uh, I, I think is definitely worthwhile. So we're definitely going to check out your website, Laurel, and the new webinar series. And just so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Mark. You're a blast to talk to. Well, it's a lot of fun. And listeners, come back again for the next episode. We're going to continue our around the world virtual tour. Look, just in the last few episodes, we've been to places like San Antonio and San Francisco, but we've also been to Johannesburg and Buenos Aires and Bangkok, Thailand, the Netherlands. We, we go anywhere we can to talk to creative experts. We want to learn how people are getting inspired for new ideas, new breakthrough concepts. We also want to learn how they organize those ideas. And most of all, making the connections and gaining the confidence to launch their work out into the world. So join us again next time. I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll see you soon. This is a PodMax episode of Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98, and the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com, and enjoy the book.